Hello and welcome to the Miraculous Being series. I'm your host and self-awareness coach, Shweta Shivraman, and this is a show where we discover, learn, and implement lessons from others' life journeys. Others who I believe epitomize miraculous in its truest spirit. Individuals who live life to the fullest, who worked hard on themselves to be where they are, and who are passionate in what they do. Today's speaker is Aditi Surana a behavioral analyst and a high-performance coach who's passionate about helping individuals be the person they most want to be. In her words, she's insatiably curious about human potential. So you can imagine my excitement in having her on our show. So let's dive in. Hi, Aditi. Welcome to the Miraculous Being Show. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me over to your show. I was going through your website and going through other guests who were there. You've been doing such a good job. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> endeavor to find more work in progress humans and share their stories. I think there's just so much uh, to learn from each other. So, And so we need all of this. All of us need stories like these, right? Like we just want to make sure that uh, it's not the celebrities. It's not like the crafted mythological stories always, but like real life stories. So yeah, thank you. Absolutely. We've been fed the happily ever after for so long, right? Like we forget that there are struggles <laughs> in between. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so beautiful. And I think uh, the perfect starting point would be where you started sharing your story with me, which was at 19, when you had to make the tough choice of following your passion without the support of your father. Uh, curious, you know, what gave you the courage to go after what you uh, believed then? You know, I was having this conversation with my best friend last night. And we were talking about this whole idea and people generally, when they hear my story, they think I had some sort of courage to make that choice. Uh, so for our listeners and viewers, I left my home at 19 because my father didn't agree with my career choice. And uh, it feels that, you know, as a girl in India 20 years ago, to be able to do this and uh, to you know, find your ground and in a career that nobody had ever heard of, which is about being a behavioral analyst, being a graphologist, which means I study personalities based on handwriting, which is such a weird thing. It still is, but that time it was way more and wanting to coach people. So all of this was unheard of. And my father's anxiety, if I put him, put myself in his shoes today, I absolutely get it. Like he was right. He was correct. He was just being a kind father who said, no, you can't be spoiling your life, your entire career. But it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a matter of courage. It was a matter of an obvious choice. When you know in your heart something that is so palpable that is so real it is it is there's no choice in your mind you just jump you just do things because that's the only way out otherwise you would die staying in a small space which is is right and is correct according to other people but in your heart you always have that feeling that no 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 no, I can't do this so I think it would have been more courageous to stay locked uh, only because I wanted to confine and it was freeing and easier to do the difficult choice because it was the choice in your heart. So, Oh, that's that's so beautiful. And I love how you say that, you know, you would have needed more courage to stick around in that path. And, and I feel so like I, I think all the people who are not choosing themselves, not choosing their dreams, not choosing their 
you know, I always feel I call them high performers because being a high performance coach, I'm always studying people who do something to claim who they are and how they are and, and you know, whether the world agrees with them or not. And I see people every day making choices which are difficult. Choice to choose to be a mother over being a career woman. Choice to be in a relationship because it would affect everyone else if you break out of that marriage. Now, these choices are extremely tough. And, and you know, people who make those choices are, are heroes in a different way. You know, like we don't celebrate them enough. Because many people are meant to do that because of uh, societal norms and whatever. But every day is tough. And I'm sure you and I have been in those positions where we chose to give ourselves away because we wanted to be there for the other person, be in that relationship. We were scared. And it's not fun. It's, it's like dying every day. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in our day and age where we villainize the nine to five. Or, yeah. So I often say that, you know, we keep villainizing the nine to five, but nine to five equally has its place. And it's also more about knowing what you want to do, right? That palpable excitement that I can still feel Right now, as you share that story that you <laughs> felt when you were 19, right? It is about having that excitement in your day-to-day -day life, no matter what you path you choose. And mindsets uh, and correct mindsets are not about what you do. It's about how you do it and what you feel when you do it. So being a mother, if that makes you uh, the happiest person in the world, that is your calling. That is what you must do and you know nothing else. Like I have a friend, uh, she has two kids and uh, she's like, I'm going to miss being pregnant and I'm, I looked at her I'm like what she's like yeah I love that whole face so much that I wouldn't mind considering being a surrogate mother just because I like the whole feeling of carrying a baby and women don't talk about this often right even like generally we're like no 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 I'm very practical so there are these ideas of what is correct and incorrect and today we have different ideas I believe 20 years ago we had different ideas but I have a problem with ideas being defined by other people and defined ideas. I feel the whole journey one should go through is to identify who you can become and who, who you possibly can build yourself into. And that's an ever-lasting, uh, lifelong exploration that people generally don't tend to do. And I feel bad for that, if at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love how you said that, right? That ideas defined by other people always feel like a trap right like you're caged into a trap and uh, it is about finding what is it that you want to do and who would you want to become I think and that's also these ideas defined by other people are very safe we like them because they are tried and tested formula and and this this is like a like something that you know I can do this degree and there is so much of scope and there's this you know guaranteed career there and I there's nothing wrong with that as long as you know in your heart that every day you wake up and you want to do it. The structures, the ideas are, are all okay. As long as the only parameter I feel is the way whether you wake up, look forward to it or not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So having that enthusiasm or that zeal, right? I think you are touching upon that miraculous spirit that we look for saying, how can you be fully involved in your day-to-day yeah. -day life, right? Absolutely. So. As a banker, I remember days where we would just like, you know, live from Monday to Friday for the weekend, for the long weekends, for the vacations. And you keep wondering where is life in between, right? And I love how you say it's about identifying what you want to do. And 
I'm curious if there are probably listeners who never probably gotten in touch with themselves or asked that big question saying, what do I want? Uh, where would you recommend they start in terms of that inquiry or discovering what excites them? It's very simple. It's about what you're curious about. Like I think life purpose, big ideas are not big ideas. And I think, you know, I, I, I think coaches like us are responsible for dramatizing it and finding that one purpose. I don't understand one purpose. I am so passionately interested in five things that I'm professionally trained to do. I'm professionally trained to be a yoga teacher, obviously a coach and a behavioral analyst. I keep training myself to be an artist, which is a visual artist. And I, I keep painting. I, uh, I'm an actor. So I think that's a very, very important part. I cook and I got trained by some chefs so I, I feel like the curiosity and that ever-evolving journey of excitement is what one should begin from and you may think oh but I, how will my curiosity be in, uh, turn into a career it may or may not but I must tell you that many of my coaching analogies got refined when I learned how to cook just five years ago because while cooking, like, and I remember this example, you know, people who are new to this, they can relate. But I was like thinking about leadership and I was trying to learn how to get your curd right. In Indian cooking, we use a lot of yogurt, right? So the curd, I want to get it at home and I wanted to make it fresh, organic. So I'm like, how do I get it right? And I was thinking that there's one spoon that we use to, to make the curd, which you put into little warm, lukewarm water or lukewarm milk. And when you keep it and you stir it and the proportion is right, then the entire bowl of milk turns into curd. And I felt that's exactly how leadership works. One leader who has an inspired idea goes to a group of people who are lukewarm. They're not cold. They're not uninterested. They're a little lukewarm to the idea. And then one person can be an influencer for everybody to turn towards that inspired idea. And I feel that's leadership. But I learned that while cooking. So you don't necessarily have to figure out, I've never told this analogy ever before in public, but yeah. So, but that's how you think, like you evolve in your career when you're following that curiosity. And when you keep picking up moments of what, what makes me curious? What brings that smile on my face? What is that one thing that when I'm challenged, I feel happy about? Not sad not stress. And, and if you're a banker, if you're uh, an employee in, in any organization, there are parts of your work that, that do that for you. Not the whole career, but there are parts of your work. And just ask those really important questions. Which parts make me alive? Like I'm dyslexic and I genuinely struggle with paperwork, time management, uh, you know, a lot of like, I, 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 like sequencing things is not my thing. But I know to be a coach, I need to create a structure that other people can follow. So I got help from someone else to help me build the structure. Once that structure is built, now I follow that structure. Other people follow the structure. But that gave me space. That uninteresting part gave me the room to do the interesting part. But I, if you don't know what is interesting for you, you'll always compromise. And you think, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. And nothing you have to do. 
Beautiful. Thank you for calling that out. I think as a coach, even I'm scared to use the word purpose because there's just so much pressure on finding that one single calling. And people, you know, are paralyzed because it's like, you know, I have to choose one thing and yeah. you can don as many hats as you'd like. And I love how you simplified it to saying, just follow what you're curious about. Absolutely. How amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And that brings me into the next question, right? You spoke about the different identities uh, that you don following your many passions. And uh, we spoke about this as well as how as women, we often don so many identities through our life. And somewhere we kind of, you know, sort of lose touch with our core identity or who we are. So curious, you know, what are identities that you probably don't through your uh, uh, life stages? And uh, what were some of the struggles uh, you encountered as you donned those various identities? So I feel my biggest struggle of uh, what made me into this career and all of it is I didn't know I'm dyslexic growing up. And neurodivergent reality is an important reality. Like most people are discarded and people who don't know what dyslexia is, if you watch this movie, Tare Zameepe, or if it's a learning disability. So anything that you take and you kind of, you know, build. So I was very good at studies. So the identity of being like a good student when it came to speaking or explaining my point or logically presenting it or doing math. But I was bad at just copying the numbers from question paper to my answer sheet. And that would like take away, obviously you would answer the right question, but you know all the logical steps and thereby... I felt I got rejected a lot growing up. I failed every day. I fail every day, even today, to manage to do very, very small everyday tasks. And when you have that part of you in our education system, it can hamper your self-esteem a lot because every teacher is like red marks on every question, answer sheet, you know, like, you know, you're constantly called out for not following the rules. And I, I almost bought it. And I, you know, our identities are formed when we are very young, technically till we are 14. And without interventions and deep work, you can't change how you look at yourself. It's like a program that people carry throughout and they keep repeating itself. So for me, fighting that identity of somebody who is like not good enough, somebody who is uh, not suitable to fit in and you buy into other people's ideas largely. But thankfully, at 14, I had a revelation where I chanced upon my gift of studying people looking at the scribbles on the paper. And I was 14. You don't know what to do with that skill, but I was curious and it made me happy. And first time I got noticed, for a teenager, it matters a lot when you get noticed. You're like, Oh my God, people are seeing me for something nice. Great. But that curiosity led to a lot of reading, a lot of uh, research, a lot of observation. And I feel that I, I built a newer identity, especially when I left home. And that identity was somebody who wanted to be a pioneer in the field that I was choosing. And then it, it in my mind, the story changed, the track changed. And I said, if you, as a pioneer, you will obviously have challenges. All pioneers had it. And that narrative helped, you know, that, that story kind of like every time I had a problem, I had a challenge. I looked at it and said, oh, this is the next level of adventure. Because of the stories I, I fed myself. So I feel sometimes our roles and identities become very daunting because of the social ideas that the identity comes with. Okay. Like I, I used to be married and I went through a divorce and I felt that phase was extremely difficult because my, I lost my father at the same time. 
so when two men very close men of your life just walk away for a woman it's like two shields walking out right and though I, my father didn't speak to me for 10 years uh your father is always your father your father always holds that space and he kind of you know shields you and you know there's like an emotional support and i felt i had to reinvent so i always tell people that i started my life three times over and when you do that every time that happened it was so beautiful because the person i built on the other side was a new identity right so i feel all of us especially women you know when they go through i've seen my friends uh, delivering babies and they transform and they have the ability to transform and they don't realize it but what what changes is your narrative about your life changes right when you get married many people many women change after getting married and i change so i know like there is such a subconscious different narrative that you build so we can do that by choice we can build that newer identity by defining and designing and crafting all the things that we want to create and and build the skills for it like few years ago i wanted to become for the first time uh, a podcaster content creator like talking is what i do for a living but being dyslexic when if i am asked to speak grammatically correct everything everything it kills me so i stayed away though i had a skill for it i stayed away from professionally being a content creator but i always had like that little thing of how much i can contribute and help people and and this concept is so nice like that that yogurt making i want to make a video like i always felt like that i attempted in the past but never committed to it but when i committed i said what kind of content creator i want to become and i literally sat down and i didn't write how many followers i wanted i wrote what what identity i would like to build as a content creator so i felt it matters to me that i'm genuine it matters that people can talk to me it matters that i make things simpler so these were all aspects or all attributes that i wanted in the new identity and i built that identity and it took i it took a lot of skill building like when i said i'm a, I'm a prolific speaker as my my list i had to work towards being one and you know somebody who has a command over language i had to work towards building that but it happened it took 2 years 2 and 1/2 years and it every day i keep working on at it but it happened and you know like it just but building identity is a game if you build an identity in your mind of a high performer you would uh, start looking at the same situation differently beautiful i love that so letting go of the identities that you know comes with the social and the societal connotations and actually designing and defining what an identity means to you and then living that narrative for yourself with the old old identities also like when when you were a certain person you had that identity it worked it served you now that you are in a different situation we have a choice to build ourselves and people look at personality as like this fixed idea i'm like this or i'm not like that Mm-hmm. no personality is a process you build it you add it you you subtract you realize oh i behave like this but it is not helping anybody and i would like to experiment with something else that process you know ever evolving process is what personality is you carry that as a as a, a space holder and not as a a fixed idea yeah yeah i love that personality is a process and i can link up to the work that you do in the mindset and everything now because that's where all of this comes in right because exactly. our mind can allow you know kind of put us in a small box and allow us to keep playing only there or we can dream big and actually explore what's out there beautiful 
And as you share that, right, I think uh, one of the things that we also touched upon is how as women, we are often, uh, you know, very uh, guilty or very timid, if I can use that word, to actually ask for what we want. And, you know, that was something that you actually shared, saying that you had to overcome that in your journey. Curious, how did you navigate that not wanting to ask for more or playing it big? I feel like we genetically, not genetically, but like from from the formative years, we are told to like, oh, it's okay, you do this. And, and you don't realize as a girl, you start realizing when you claim the femininity and you become a woman and then the gender defined roles get like, oh, you are a woman, you, you're expected to do one, two, three, four, and you are a man. And I feel it's unfair on men too. Like they're very, like as a, as a 27, 30 year old woman, you still have the freedom to say that I don't want to be the provider or a complete provider. For men, that's not a choice. So I think as women, we also have to be empathetic about their struggles because I see independent women, you know, claiming their spaces, but they're not realizing men are not trained to deal with us. It took many years for me to understand this. I'm like, oh, I want this, per- I want to become this person, but my, my, you know, people I dated, people I, I, I cared for, men in my life, including my father, didn't have any reference of how to deal with an independent child or independent partner, or independent spouse. So we have to help them do that. It's our responsibility. The very moment we take responsibility that they don't know, not because they are being mean or they're being inconsiderate. They don't know because they don't know. Yeah. And even if they don't know, I want to claim my space and that I can only train them to give me space if I start taking some. Right? It is It is like when people tell you you can't do something and you know this is not your space. This is not that they're telling you that you don't have the power, the resources, you don't have the, the authority, the agency to be able to do it. And I feel, and it, it is true, you don't have the power. You earn it. You earn the power to be able to be in that room and say certain things. Like I feel one of the things that if women really want to claim their agency, they need to learn how to handle their finances. It's such an important thing. And I feel I, it's not my subject. I don't talk about it much. But as a woman, I unnecessarily felt dependent on men because I didn't. I thought I don't understand it. And the day I said, okay, how complicated it can be. How men who are not very bright, they must be dealing with it in life. And I said, wait, it can't be that complicated, right? Like it's, it is a system made for everybody, for everybody to invest so that the economy can run. So it can't be that complicated. And the very moment I had that mindset shift, Shweta, I sat down and I read books and I spoke to people and I got some advisors on board and I spoke to my CA friends and uh, I realized it's complex, but it's also not that complex, right? It is complex because they want to charge us for solving that complex problem. So it has to be complex so that we feel it's complex and we rely on someone else. But when you realize that my power will come from my true independence, and I feel every woman must do whatever it takes to find her true independence. And I'm not saying money is everything, but the world that we live in, it plays an important role, unfortunately. So most of the people I work with are men, like my clients who are leaders, they're men. And I, I wish it becomes 50-50 soon where women become leaders and you know, I can I can coach more women in leadership position. 
but when i look at these men and when i understand their perspective they have no clue what your struggle is it's not that they're being ignorant they are like you know they have no clue about it so you will have to state it you will have to define it you will have to like a child certain things have to be fed but you have to know that it matters to you like if if a man is disrespectful and if a woman doesn't straighten the matter then it is on her yeah. she's giving him permission to treat her like this again so i think that i if, if you ask me something how i dealt with it i think i trained myself to be fierce and intimidating when it comes to men behaving stupid and thereby when you ask and they just make they like oh how can you ask kind of a look i learned to give that look back like how can you question me asking for it mm-hmm. it took some training but when you when you make them uncomfortable for making you uncomfortable that's the first step and then there are further steps where you continue to repeat and then people back off and it's not about men or women when somebody is assertive and when they believe in what they want people learn to learn to be behave it takes time but it's up to you absolutely absolutely i think it goes back to the whole point of personality being a process right that who we are is not really fixed so we can actually change and be assertive and really ask for what you want right i love how you said that to really make that space we have to claim it first right that this is our space and we have to take it and you know and then women are shaktis sorry sorry <laughs> no no please go ahead no 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 i think women are shaktis right like they are like phenomenal like i feel they have so much of power it's only that that damn programming where it, it you're fed that you can't ask like we really have that and i'm not saying this as a woman I'm, i'm like i love so many women who are like these you know path breakers and then they created history but these women just claim the space of their strength and all of us have it it's almost like a center that we have we just don't activate it absolutely absolutely i think it's about uh, you know sort of awakening to our own true power and uh, i think it comes from peeling off that layers of conditioning right saying this is not us this is not us this is not us like i love the whole yogi concept of neti neti right say keep saying no 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 till you find mm-hmm. oh my god and then you realize that it's undefined you can choose how you want to mold it like you're you know shaping clay and you can keep changing that over a period of time as you discover more parts to it but i think it starts with recognizing what you want and asking for what you want and okay. only then will you be able to create that space i love how you said that you have to be assertive and make that have those unpleasant conversations and it will be you know uncomfortable in the beginning but you kind of have to go through that process of discomfort till people around us understand that okay this is who she is and kind of make space for all of us right all parts of us not just one tiny acceptable portion of who we are i'm getting goosebumps as you say this because when one woman breaks the ceiling and goes on the other side we all do and i'm grateful to all the women who did it you know and we have the precedence of those women and and it's, it's, it's coming i'm thinking about my father he wanted to name my younger sister savitri and uh, it so happened eventually he she was named manjiri but he wanted to name her savitri because she was born in the savitri bai phule year and savitri bai phule was one of the first women to start a school and people in pune uh, you know through food garbage on her she used to carry an extra pair of sari go in the school change it and teach the eight girls who showed up but if she wouldn't have done it 
right we wouldn't have been here in this country so sometimes you have to be savitri bai phule and you have to take the brunt for women who going to follow you but and i have been i've been in that position at times and i feel it's worth it you know it's worth it for not for others but it's worth it because what you tell yourself many times the messaging that we give ourselves that i don't think i can do it i know and that messaging might happen in very small everyday situations and if at all if i want you train anybody to build the mindset i would say go hit the small issues where you doubt yourself big things will be taken care of but these are the everyday things which we we kind of we just spoil it for ourselves absolutely absolutely what a powerful story and i, uh, I think it goes back to that maya angelou's quote right that when one woman stands for herself she stands for every woman right and yeah. i think uh, that's just uh, that's just how powerful it is when each of us make those you know uh, small acts of rebellion i call it you know it's just a small <laughs> act but well it creates such a big difference ripple uh, amazing and it you know i want to touch upon this other aspect that you and i also spoke about uh, on how a lot of times women aren't very consistent with their own personal ambitions right when it comes to work other responsibilities family responsibilities mothering responsibilities all of that we are on top of it right but our own personal ambitions somewhere gets stored in a cupboard behind right uh, how can we actually bring it to the forefront and stay consistent so we deliver to other people like our kids and our family members and our fathers and anybody for that matter because that is accepted because we are rewarded for it the very moment you become like this great mother who is very sacrificing you're rewarded for it people are like oh my god she's so amazing right when when you like dress up in a way that society agrees with you you're like oh my god you look so beautiful and every time you do anything that is not accepted by the society by people around you it might be a small reference point by your family then it's very difficult for you to still think that you are a good person mm-hmm. forget about other things you just don't know whether you are a good person or not and that conflict takes away all the importance of you know taking care of the person within if you feel you're a bad person for walking away from your child to be able to do your career it's very difficult to make your career choice so yeah. we need to sit and address that point it's not good or bad it's about one choice over the other yeah. right it is it is it's not always going against the society sometimes doing what what they are asking you to do might be the good choice for you but it's a choice and you may make mistakes and you may come back but the guilt comes because of the defined ideas i was talking about either you fit in or you don't fit in either you agree or you don't agree and as women we require to understand if you're not happy with yourself no matter who is happy around you eventually you're going to be resentful not even unhappy but resentful and that resentment turns into all the physical ailment that we carry within us you know so if you have and i see women who have done everything for everybody and they're just so unhappy within and because they don't even believe that they can complain or ask for the space the body reacts and then they diminish physically yeah so and i and i'm very glad that it is changing we have such amazing women 
women are unapologetic they are changing things it is becoming a new norm for women to go back to work within like you know period of one year or even lesser for that matter so it is changing it's changing drastically and i think as many women have crossed the line so all of us are making, you know getting benefited by it so yeah absolutely and i love how you didn't even address the symptom right you're saying that the root cause is the identity that we hold very close to and you know who we believe we are and it's about that choice and making that choice very consciously it's again saying that you know not really what's identity society wants to hold but what is it that you'd like to hold and own up that completely like take responsibility for that choice absolutely and it's like that unhappiness also causes ripples right that resentment that we carry within mm-hmm. equally causes the same ripples uh, in a negative way i have a trick mm-hmm. and it might not work for everybody but it's my trick so i feel if i'm eating a simple you know like it would be idli sambar or like dal rice like i'm half south indian i'm half maharashtrian so i have both favorite both are staple to me but if i'm eating that very basic comfort food and if i don't enjoy my food i know there's something drastically wrong in my life mm-hmm. or like if i can't sleep peacefully for three nights in a row i would like go into this mode of like saying what am i doing that is causing this disconnect with my body and mind and it just like there's simple trackers but it's not complex it's simple trackers if my food is not tasting good to me then i am not available i'm not engaged not only to the food but to my life maybe and if it happens repetitively it is your body telling you that okay you're not happy here and i think i've made very big decisions on not being able to sleep for three nights or more and not enjoying my uh, idli sambar hmm. i love the trick right so it's <laughs> like the minute you see that disengagement you kind of try and address it right you don't let it swell up into something bigger or balloon up into much something much larger amazing and i know i can keep talking for hours about so many things i feel like i resonate with you in so many levels but just one thing before we move into our rapid fire um that we spoke about in terms of embracing femininity right a lot of times when we want to succeed especially in societal structures like the corporate world we kind of shun away the feminine parts of us to you know fit in or belong in a very large way uh so for many women leaders who are probably listening to this uh, podcast how can they continue to embrace their femininity as they you know climb that ladder of success you know i feel men claim the masculine part of them by authority what women haven't figured out i feel especially when they as they go up fitting in for them is receiving they can have the the power by receiving the energy that the men are giving like they're always talking and giving ideas and whatever whatever we haven't like i i i when i coach a woman leader i always tell her that your power is not always as visible as man's power okay but if you go the feminine route it's a binding power it's a beautiful it's unseen force but you got to be warm and fierce okay it's both ways so when people know that she is warm by choice they respect it mm-hmm. if they think she is warm because that's who she is they take you for a ride yeah. okay you're warm by choice that means at times the fierce side like i always say the the saraswati and all of that is like very nice but kali has to be seen once in a while and when you 
claim that within you, like both these sides, is what uh, any woman leader must do. And I feel it's important. Like when you when you run a business, when you are responsible for many people, you do it. But women just feel okay. I need to look like a man to gain that authority. I think we got to train people to look at women as leader for being women leaders, female leaders. And I I am very uh, I'm so high on this, and I was telling you this when I when I just you know created my my public avatar, how I wanted to be seen. I'm like I'm going to drape myself in saris because I want to be logical. I want to come across as an intelligent person, and all that aspect is very nice, nice, nice. But I also want to be claiming my femininity because people need to learn that femininity is this power, and one can use it, and it's creative, it's intuitive, is nurturing. It's warm. All of that is needed. And especially now, leadership is changing from like this result-oriented way to like really uh, people growing in a holistic way. I was listening to some other podcast and this, uh, I think it was Vishen Lakhiani who spoke that after many years, finally we have reached this point where organization's job going to be to make sure that you holistically grow as you work with them. You have balanced life. You have, because now the generation that is coming, they don't care about hustle. They care about good life. So organizations going to be like these universities, what Google already did, right? Like they provide you with everything and they just take care of you. And that's going to be a new norm that you've got to take care of people's overall well-being. And in that, feminine going to play an important role. Like you can do result, result, result by only using one side of your brain of one part of your personality. But for feminine and for overall growth, you need to be in touch with your emotions. And I think that's the powerful one. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, our sensitive, sensitivity, our intuition, all of those are our uh, powers that actually, uh, you know, that receiving aspect of us is what actually sets us apart in a way right uh, in that inclusion it all comes naturally as a woman and if we set that aside uh, you know we're just becoming one among others right I think uh, beautiful thank you for sharing that I'm realizing that all the questions you're asking me I'm so passionate about I'm like having long answers for everything you're like wait I have this one story and my <laughs> it's always the case it's always the case but maybe we'll do like a sequel <laughs> lovely so are you ready for the rapid fire yes Okay, we'll start Bring with the basic on. ones. Morning person or night owl? Actually, I want to be a morning person as much as I, I try, but it's both for me. All right. I think I know the answer to this, but I'll still ask, uh, you know, uh, always on schedule or running slightly behind schedule? <laughs> uh, 15 minutes minimum <laughs> as much as I try, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, books, movies, podcast, favorite way to consume knowledge? Books books all right any favorites or top three that you get me started mindset by carol dweck flow by mihai chiksen mihai and um, synchro destiny by dr deepak chopra Mm, lovely interesting um any role models and what qualities in them inspire you no role models lots of qualities because when, as a behavioral analyst, as I worked with really like Olympians and, and high performers and leaders and actors and athletes, I uh, realized that people are not a whole role model material, if I may say. 
like everybody is flawed in different ways so i realized that i need to build and craft uh people's aspects but if you ask me what aspects that i i admire and i have a wall in my office which has all these amazing people that i always admire like i have coco chanel while she's stitching and coco chanel was like a path breaking woman who you know not for a, for fashion but for the life choices that she made and then i have uh, van gogh and his his painting for the for the inspiration that he drew from every so these are the aspects that i i think i have carl hume the father of modern and analytical psychology and i love his work but the fact that he the western world chose to have concepts which are based on eastern philosophies and held it in the world which in a way criticized him for it so people basically who broke paths and did what they want beautiful one word to describe the pandemic for you lot of work <laughs> we did social initiatives uh for anxiety anti anxiety mm. and what i didn't know it started like a, like an inspiration that you and i was curious to and, and i felt i am responsible to help people like if i can't volunteer physically by going there let me take care of mental health Mm. and we landed up working with 40000 people and it was i didn't know i opened a floodgate and i didn't even know i had like that kind of possibility to reach so many people but when it happened shweta i i worked for those 3 years 16 hours a day and i only worked like i didn't think about it like i i created a program and i, I was writing a book which i gave away as part of that training i created for 21 days for people and i thought that two three times during the pandemic and so that people can join and just changed me i think the biggest gift i received at that point is the the possibility that content can be and people you know the way you can impact people without knowing them i thought that just opened my world so pandemic was a lot of work and i think my life's best work if i may say that just came out because you just stay at this process for 16 hours a day it changes the way you look at everything so yeah amazing so you got those 10000 hours already in those <laughs> <laughs> lovely all right any non negotiables in your daily routine meditation and my sadhana like i have my spiritual practices and non negotiable no matter where you are what you do okay all right and one thing you you wish you knew when you were younger that every problem can be figured out every small problem has like the solution will show up it is is inevitable that a problem will have a solution it's just matter of time that you find it and sometimes we make it so significant yeah i think one more thing is not taking things personally i wish i would have learned that earlier amazing and if there's someone who's just getting started on their self transformation journey uh, listening in what would one advice be that you'll give them work at it every day it's not a it's not something that's going to get done ever so when you make the room for it work at it every day so it's like physical fitness you can't have your body in shape if you're not at it every day and we go on a vacation and we forget about it great 
you went off the track now come back and work at it every day and then you will have some great days and you're like oh i think i got it great it's not going to stay long work at it every day so i think just and the very moment you make that commitment to yourself you will find people uh you'll find messages you'll find podcasters like shweta you'll find so many things that would surround you to be able to continue that journey but you have to make the commitment and no one else can make that for you absolutely yeah work at it every day and if there's one thing our listeners should walk away with after our conversation what would one takeaway be you're flawed and accept it the very moment you start fighting being flawed and you want to be perfect to be accepted loved be a high performer be talented the very moment you say oh i can't make any mistake i can't do this then you will just kill yourself and you will be in that one spot for a very very long time be willing to fail be willing to be flawed be willing to say sorry for the mistakes but make mistakes get up and fall more and fall differently and and, and i think if there's one thing i can contribute to my success if at all it is my choice is that i feel i showed willingness to jump into the fire in different ways and i i feel now i love it so much that if it is not if i feel i haven't jumped into a fire in some time like you know like for 10 days or something i would find okay something i need to change alter and and jump into the fire again so i would do that amazing thank you arati thank you so much i think uh, i'm going to keep replaying this conversation over and over again so <laughs> many you. insights uh thank you so much for being a part of this show really grateful thank you thank you for having me and I, as, as i was saying like it's your questions are so coming from a space of empathy to a point that i want to share more so i think you have cracked the code of being a very good conversationalist and a podcaster thank you thank you so much that's really sweet